Welcome home, and thank you for joining us here on the Real Life Church Podcast. We are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. That's good stuff, ain't it? Glad you guys uh, rode your boat here, your jet ski, walked on water, however you got here today. Glad you guys are here. Thank you for watching online. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, every time it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, In Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And so, uh, man, I just love being together with you guys. And so I'm thankful for this moment. Um, Jehovah Jireh has already preached my sermon this morning. So, uh, again, I felt like the forecaster who shows up late and says, oh, yeah, it's it's going to rain. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I love that, though. This is so fun. Um, you know, uh, Jesus said that he would work with us. Uh, accompanying the word with signs and wonders following. I just didn't know that. I I thought I was supposed to preach, and then he was going to confirm the word. But the truth is, he confirms the word, and then I just get up and preach. So uh, this is so fun to me. Guys, this is so fun. Like, I don't know if you realize what's happening, but we're actually experiencing the voice of Almighty God settling in like dew upon the mountains. His, His voice, if you have ears to hear it, his voice is drawing us echoing, confirming what he's saying to us. And um, so, uh, you know, part of the the gift for Israel was, um, you know, I really didn't want to just do it out of my own natural affections um, because many of you guys know that I I love Israel. Um, And if you're a born-again Christian or or you're new to faith or you don't even know if any of this is real, Israel has always kind of been a big deal. But I didn't want to give just out of my own natural affections. And so I just asked the Lord, Lord, just, man, let me know that this is you and not just me. And I love the fact that as soon as I prayed that, um, this conversation's already been happening a little bit today, but but uh, leaders began to uh, rise up and say, man, we have to stop the voice of the Christians in Israel because, guys, on the Temple Mount, um, there were videos of like 20,000 people crammed in to the, we- to the Western Wall, to the Wailing Wall, packed in there like sardines, singing in one accord to, to Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua. They're getting kicked out of the upper rooms. They're getting kicked out of the sacred places. It's spilling in to the old marketplaces and down the streets, the voice of Almighty God and the praise to Jesus is beginning to rise. And I felt like, man, there's so much scripturally that is being said there. But Jesus said, and, I, and this for me trumps them all, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you will not see me again until you say, Baruchabashim Adonai. What is that? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I'm like, God is actually beginning to rise up a voice in Israel. There's a cry coming in the streets of Jerusalem, on the temple mounts, in the marketplaces, in the sacred places, in the holy places. There's beginning this rise of Baruch God is beginning to, 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 the praises of God are beginning to pour out into the streets. 
You guys, this has been a desire in the heart of our God for generation after generation after generation. And it's coming to pass. There are more Christians in Israel right now than in any other point in human history. There is a work. I I was watching a video. uh, I might just scrap my sermon for a moment if that's all right. but I was watching a video of, of, man, guys, Muslims are coming to Christ by the droves right now. I mean, I, I dare you to Google it. Just look up a testimony about Muslims. I mean, it'll be from like last week. I mean, it's just God is doing amazing things in the Middle East. And all the media wants to do is show you how, how bad it is. But I'm telling you, the spirit of the living God is being poured out on all flesh. And, oh, man, it's so good. One, one girl said that she had tried to serve Allah, tried to, to be faithful to Allah, and she was getting so frustrated because the harder she worked, the more disappointed she felt. So she finally locked herself in a room and said, Allah, I am not leaving this room until you show, until you show up. And if you don't show up, I'm walking away from this. I'm so sick of this. God, if you're real, show up. Two hours later, Jesus walks in the room. She says, ah, what am I supposed to do? And, and this is what he said to her. He said, come to me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. She had never read the New Testament, never read about Jesus' words on that. She goes back to work the other day, and there's a Muslim guy who had already converted to Christ. It showed her to her in the Bible. Jesus actually said that. Boom, she gave her life to Jesus Christ that day. God, I mean, without us, Jesus is showing up in the Middle East. Without Jesus is appearing in their dreams and their visions. And ah! And it's all because he's true and he's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping, watching over his word. He said, it shall come to pass, saith God. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will have visions. All my men servants and all my maid servants will I pour out my spirit. That's pretty much why we say in the South, everybody. Ah, everybody's in on it. Ah, man, that feels good. That means you're in on it. That means you, me, we are in on it. Would you stand with me? We're going to read what we've already been singing about this morning, which is so cool to me. Uh, Me and Neil don't typically get together and say, hey, this is what I'm preaching about. Can you come up with some songs for that? Um, So it's so cool when we sing about what I'm going to, about the word of the Lord before we get to hear it. But we're going to read it together and then spend a few moments. And uh, man, ah, this is my favorite place to be with you right here, right now. Can you say I'm right here? Right now. We know what that means, right? We're present in this moment. So let's, let's tune our hearts. Let's lean into the frequency and let's allow God to shape us and change us and mold us and, and, and heal us today. Is that okay? I want to read a scripture um, and invite you to read it with me. This is from uh, the book of Luke. I forget the chapter. I think it's 22. Um, y'all got that on the slides? Yeah. Does that work? Let's see. If not, 
I can read the Bible, and uh, you can look it up in your Bible, too. Um, well, we'll go ahead and get started in Luke. Uh, I think it's chapter 22 and verse 12. It says, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables. Somebody say, overturned the tables. Of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He threw the seats over, too. <laughs> you want to make sure you, I, not just the table, your seat gets thrown over too. So cool. Never seen that till right now. Uh, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Ouch. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Uh-oh. And he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did and the children crying out in the temple, Lord, do it here. The children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes. <laughs> Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Woo! Man, wouldn't that be a cool testimony for God to say over us, you guys have perfected praise. Ah, oh, man, we're going to have fun today. You with me? Y'all ready? Let's uh, pray together, then we'll, um, we'll, we'll lean into this moment. God, thank you that you are tearing down the walls. You are flipping over tables and I never saw this, but you're also turning over the seats. So uh, tear this place apart, reorganize, realign, shift, change, renew, help, heal. Just be God in your own house. Lord, we honor you. We dedicate this moment, this gathering to you. Jesus, hide me behind the cross. Utter words from heaven over lips of clay and speak to your people. Lord, let him that has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Jesus' life and teaching are absolutely uh, revolutionary. His words seem to come from another world that evokes something. They call to something deep and profound with inside of us, an awakening to a new reality and a new identity. I could probably just stop right there, to be honest with you, and just read that over and over and over again. If Jesus is who he says he is, and he is perfectly mirroring the heavenly Father to us, then there is so much for us to see here. Think about this. Um, there is so much for us to consider together as we build our lives upon his perfect love and build our community around Jesus' life and teaching. On the Mount of Transfiguration is this really cool moment where Jesus invites Peter, James, and John to go with him up on the mountain. And while he's there, the Bible says that he is transfigured before them. And 
in Aramaic and Greek, that kind of means to be turned inside out. And so they got to see the glory that was on the inside of him. And I love the fact that when you really have an experience with God, there are there experiences, um, matter of fact, real experiences are hard to describe. Like real spirit. Matter of fact, anybody who says, oh, I saw a vision of Jesus, if they can tell you what he looks like, you can just discredit that one. I'm telling you. Because everyone I know who says they have had a vision of Jesus cannot describe his face. They just knew it was him. They were made to know. They were aware that it was him. They were convinced, persuaded, even in the moment with him, but they can't put it into words. Just read the book of Revelation and see a guy trying to put it into words. Like a dragon in the sky with 12 horses and... I mean, I don't know how to say this stuff. You know what I mean? And matter of fact, the Bible says that the love of God passes knowledge, that there's peace that passes understanding. So a lot of our relationship with God is beyond words. Do not get in a hurry, beloved. Don't get in a hurry, Neil. Don't get in a hurry, worship team. And don't get in a hurry, beloved ones. When we come to these places that are beyond words, it's okay. There's no words. Be present to him. Be open to him. Be, be in the moment with him and allow something beyond words to begin to transfer into your soul. If, if it's all about us saying the magical, matter of fact, the, the phrase abracadabra, anybody aware of that? That's an Aramaic phrase. That comes straight from the language of Jesus. And so it's interesting to me what they, what they mean by that is I will create with my words. And there's some kind of cool stuff in that because Jesus says you can speak to a mountain and it can be removed and you can tell it to throw itself in a sea. So there's a way in which that Aramaic phrase is true. But your, your life is not based simply, what God can do in your life is not basic, uh, based simply on your ability to communicate it or say it just right. This is not a magic formula. That's what abracadabra eventually came to mean. This is not a magic formula. This is a relationship. This has nothing to do with my notes, but they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where we're at. And, and they begin to see the, the, um, the glory of Almighty Yahweh in that moment. Are you with me? Y'all with me? I believe you are. So they're seeing Jesus. And, I mean, all Peter says is, and I love the Bible that says, he said this not knowing what he was saying. Anybody ever got to a prayer time and you started saying stuff and you not knowing what you were saying? I feel like, here I am, Lord, send me, is one of those prayers we know not what we are saying, you know. But I love how God's presence always leads us to surrender and to obedience. And, uh, but, but here they are. And the Bible says, Peter says this not knowing what he was saying. And he said, Lord, it is good to be here. We're going to build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. Right? That's what he said, not knowing what he was saying. And I love that in that moment, the Father speaks out of heaven one more time. And he says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, 
the other two are done talking. We're not building three tabernacles. Moses and Elijah are done. If you want to know me, hear him. That's profound. <laughs> that is profound. So what it means to follow Jesus is to hear him. But not just hear him with our ears, but hear him with our eyes. And I know that sounds weird, but everything Jesus does is when, when Jenny and I are raising our kids, my kids would get so tired of this, Uncle Ricky. I, I, they would go through a moment. They would go through a, 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 a trying time or something. I'm like, guys, this is a great life lesson. And eventually it would be like, would you please, for the love of God, not everything is a life lesson. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about this moment. You know what's happening, right? Dad, I'm just trying to tell you they cut me off in traffic, and now you're, like, trying to teach me about patience and forgiveness and, like, stop. But everything is a teachable moment. Everything is a teachable moment. Someone asked T.D. Jakes, they said, how did you get to be such a great preacher? He said, my mama told me. I love that. If you read Proverbs, that's a lot of what Solomon says, my mama told me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, but he said, my mama told me life is a university. Every day, wake up and go to school. Learn something. Learn from what to do and what not to do. How many of y'all feel like y'all were trained in the school of what not to do, right? Um, but everything about Jesus is teaching us. And, it, and to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, is to hear him. To hear him with your eyes and your ears. Jesus' life and teachings are an absolute renovation in our world and sometimes a deconstruction. Anybody ever gone through the deconstruction? If you haven't, just hang on. <laughs> Keep following. Um, it's completely a reformation, a transformation for entire world, inside and out. Jesus' life and ministry wreaks havoc on our man-made systems. And just because we sang about it, I wish I could put my notes up there for you, on all of our man-made walls and preconceived ideas. Jesus is coming to tear them down. It is true. Jesus turns over the tables of money changers and drove out those who sold doves and, and, and drove out the people who ripped people off. And this is what he says, zeal for my house has eaten me up. That's so cool. But please don't miss what he said about the why. We read the story together, right? And if you're, if you're not careful, you'll, all you'll walk away with is the Jesus who went and made whips and cords, who, who used those to drive out the cattle, the bulls and the oxen and the sheep. And, the, and he drove those out and he flips over the tables. And for the first time I've seen today, he flips over the seats too. That's just cool to me. But don't leave with just the picture. Leave with the why. The picture's great. The why matters. Don't just, don't just leave with the, the story and not know the why. The why matters. Why does he do this? Why does he act this way? Why does he behave this way? Why, why, does he, why has zeal for his, out, his house actually eaten him 
up? Why has it consumed him and ravaged him and, 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 and set a fire in him that refuses to just go through another ceremony, another Sabbath, another sacrifice, another bleeding sheep? He's done with it. Sick of it. This has to end. It has to stop. And he premeditates this thing. He goes and makes a whip. And he comes in and he drives out the cattle. He flips over tables. He, he flips over the seats. Why? Because it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. The court of the Gentiles was outside the temple, and in that place, there is literally people traveling from all over the world. Simon, I've mentioned this, Simon of Cyrene um, was a black man who helped Jesus carry the cross. He was, Cyrene is present-day Libya, Africa. It's 900 miles away from Jerusalem. People there were literally from all over the world. And so Jesus sees this corruption. He sees this and he says, you guys have begun something and you're participating in something that was never the Father's will. This was never the Father's design. That people would travel from all over the world to to have a business deal. Because you buy the sheep and you offer it and you walk out, get in, get out, go home. For all nations. For all nations. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. God is flipping the tables and breaking down the walls. And with one cry, one cry he will rip the veil of the temple, separating the holy place from the whole world. And, and he's doing this because now everyone is invited to the table. All nations means... Not just some big continent or country, but when we hear nations, this is what we must hear. Every county, every city, every town, every person, every culture, every race, every background, every person. God is saying, I'm not into the temple thing, but I really am about home. And my home is going to be the place where anybody and everybody can come and find Abba. And I'm willing to flip your table over, push your seats out, and drive away your, your franchise model until it's only me and my father's house that remains. Ah, so good. Flipping tables is a powerful prophetic moment. Everyone knows about this moment. The scene is literally known around the world. Jesus is flipping over tables. Isn't it funny the, the stuff that people who don't know Jesus know about him? And there's literally two things they usually know about him, right? He flips over tables, and he turns water into wine. <laughs> right? Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, you can go to Russia and be like, Jesus will be like, oh, yeah, flip, flipping tables guy. Yeah, yeah. Water to wine guy. Yeah, I mean, I like you, Jesus, you know. Wow. <laughs> it's cool that Jesus flips tables. It's cool. 
Let's go, let's all go to uh, a restaurant today and and follow Jesus. What do y'all say? <laughs> Local crazy church from Greenwood, South Carolina. <laughs> Has anybody ever wanted to do something crazy? Like, I remember one time me and my friend were having a conversation, and over and over and over in my life, I'm telling you this, some of my most powerful moments with God have not been in a church. They've been with a friend at a table. And I remember one time the presence of Almighty Yahweh sat down at the table with us, and I wanted to stand on top of the table, take my fork and hit my glass, be like, excuse me, the kingdom of God is here and now, and if you're sick or got a demon, t- today is your day. You know. I am not promising you y'all won't have to get me out of jail one day for doing that. I'm just warning you. Elders, you've been warned, hey, this is me. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I'm in Greenwood County. Uh, can you can you come get me out? Um, but there's 20 healed people laying in the floor still over there if y'all want to go pick them up. But um, he's saying this is not just a transaction. You got to hear this. What God is after is not just a transaction. He, he doesn't want any more business deals. He wants you. And he wants you in connection. And he wants your heart and he wants your life, even the broken pieces of it. And the truth is, although we give our heart to him in pieces, he doesn't, he doesn't give his heart to us in pieces. He doesn't give his heart to us in pieces. See, the truth is they were supposed to hallow the name, but instead they had hollowed the name. The cleansing of the temple was an indictment of empty religious activity, lip service, and fruitless rituals. The merchants had made God's house of prayer into a market, a religious business transaction. You could never buy God's favor or forgiveness. It was never about this. It's always been about connection. Prayer for all nations wasn't just a transaction. God is building a bridge, not a wall. God is wanting the fancy temple to become a home, a home in which everyone can join the Father's house. But before we get too comfortable, let's not forget, we too are the temple of God. And we too might have some areas in our life where we need Jesus to flip over the tables. We already sang it. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate that. It's awesome. Love it. Who doesn't enjoy a good table turn in service, right? Who doesn't enjoy a good fight scene in a movie, right? A good battle scene, like that's so cool. But um, as much as I love this story about Jesus flipping over tables, the real story of Jesus isn't about flipping tables. The real story of Jesus is him setting tables. And if all you ever do is imagine a Jesus who flips tables, you won't know him. Because he's not, Carly, just about flipping tables. Jesus is about setting tables. Now, would you come? And I'm going to ask the the ushers, would you all pass out the communion during this time? Because I want us, as we're approaching Easter, we're two Sundays away from Easter. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. 
So I'm just warning y'all, I'm probably going to run. I'm probably going to leap a chair or person or leapfrog somebody. Like, I already am, and, am, am in anticipation for, uh, for Palm Sunday because it's going to be amazing. So I'm already like a kid at Christmas time waiting on it. <clears throat> um, but I, I really want to take a moment because the life and the story of Jesus, although this table-flipping moment is really known around the world, it's only a, a part of who God is. The real story of Jesus is not just a Jesus who flips tables, but a God who sets them and a God who invites you to them. And I'm telling you, man, as we approach Easter, this is we have a beautiful moment and a gathering. I encourage you to invite somebody, bring a friend, bring a neighbor, steal someone's kid from some other church or something. Or No, I'm just kidding. Do not go to jail for kidnapping. Um, See, the whole table flipping moment is really about God wanting to get everything out of the way so he could set a table. Because their table was about excluding people. Their table was about a business transaction. And Jesus says, I'm going to flip that table over because I got a real table I want everyone to sit at. And it's not a business transaction and it's not a business deal. It's a relationship. I am preaching so good. It's not coincidental, coincidental how many of the most powerful moments we observe in Jesus' life are around tables. The book of Luke records at least 10 different table moments. Wow. Jesus spread a table and ate with collectors, tax collectors, prostitutes. And I love the message translation says, disreputable people and notorious sinners. Wow. Who can forget about the the woman who weeps at Jesus' feet and cleanses his feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair? This is one unforgettable moment that we're going to share today around one of Jesus's table moments. While they're continuing to pass that out, I want to, um, I want to give you guys a story. Y'all still good? Y'all good? Everybody okay? Shake your head, shake something. Thank you. Two hands. All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, Um, there's a story of two soldiers this is a true story of uh, I think his name was Jack Robinson and uh, what's the other guy's name um, yeah John Casey I think maybe was his name and I mean so true story and they um, fought in the Korean War and while they were in uh, adjoining and going through the boot camp, they met each other. They went on to further training together, went on to their school together, um, finally were sent into the combat, and they were on a watchtower 
looking over the fields um, and while they were there together, it was freezing cold. They were sharing a cigarette together, passing the cigarette back and forth, shaking in the cold, trying to watch out for the enemy, but snow had begun to fall. It was very cold. They weren't trying to move a whole lot, so they were just huddled together in this moment, right? And in horror to them, they heard a sound whistling through the air, and then it hit in the tower where they were together, and it was a hand grenade. And so in that moment, John Casey knows there's not enough time to pick it up and throw it. It's about to detonate. So he lays on top of it and looks at his friend as he huddles over it and the the hand grenade detonates. He takes the explosion. He takes the shrapnel. He takes the hit. He takes the wounds. He takes his life. And as he the the hand grenade explodes underneath him, he has one more act to do. And he rolls over and he looks at his friend and he winks at him and he passes away. And his friend is wrecked by this moment because my friend just gave his life for me. He chose to let me live while he dies. He continues through combat and continues through the war. And a year or so later, he he comes out of the military. And all he can think of is, I need to, I need to make my life count. And so he decides to to join the priesthood and dedicate his life and take the vows and take the rites as a Catholic priest to to make his life count. And when he got out of there and he took his rights, he decided, you know what? I'm going to make friends with the guy who gave his life to me. I'm going to make friends with his mom. Little did he know she was widowed. And so now she was alone. Her son gave his life for him. And year after year, he would spend his Christmases with his family and then with her. Y'all following me? So one, one Christmas he's there and she was in her 80s and she was an Irish Catholic woman and still had her Irish accent. And, and um, so her favorite thing to do was to watch soap operas. And so they would sit there on the couch together and hold hands and watch the old soap operas. And as he held her hand, He began to reflect over his life. Have I done enough? Have I been good enough? Have I earned this moment? Have I earned the right to live? Have I earned what he did for me? And as that doubt began to creep in, he began to rewrite the story in his mind. It's like, I wonder if he even loved me. Maybe he did it without thinking. Maybe he did it without really knowing how messed up I was. Maybe he did it without understanding all my flaws and my imperfections and my my weaknesses. 
Maybe he died not really knowing me. I'm, I mean, I know we were in battle together, and I know we went through boot camp together, and I know we went through training together, but what if he actually didn't love me? What if he was just trying to be heroic, and what if he really didn't know me? Could he have actually loved me? So while he's sitting there reading this, watching the soap opera, he holding the hand of Sir Casey's mom, he says, Ma, do you think he loved me? She said, ah, quit funning, boy. You're always good for a life or two. Not funning, Ma. You think he loved me? Cut it out, lad. It's enough. Quit joking around. Ma, I don't know if he loved me. This Irish Catholic woman who had so gentle and so quiet and so reserved began to sob. She quit watching the soap opera and she let go of his hand. She put her hands in her face and she began to sob. And she began to weep. She began to cry. And then her tears of turned to fury, turned to emotion. And finally she stood up. She, she looked at this priest. She says, Jesus, lad, what else could he have done for you? He watches. Finally, she says, Jesus, lad, what else could he have done for you? Jesus, lad, what else could he have done for you? Jesus, what else could he have done for you? And that day, that priest said the love of God moved from an idea and an abstract idea and an abstract concept and it found home in me because her words about her son had now become the voice of Abba yelling to me, Jesus. What else could he have done for you? What other proof do you need? What other sign do you need? What, what else can he do to convince you? What else is it is you need from him to persuade you? God loves you. He loves you so much. Jesus, what else could he have done for you? That day, he said it changed my life forever. It didn't change the fact I had weaknesses. It didn't change the fact I still wasn't perfect. It didn't change the fact. It just changed the fact that day I knew. What else could he have done for me? And if he did that to start the relationship, 
Why would he walk away? Why would he throw in the towel? Why would he give up? If he began the work, why do I don't think he'll finish it? Jesus, what else could he have done for you? So Jesus flips over tables, not to just make a scene, but because ultimately he's not about flipping tables, he's about setting them. So we're going to share one of Jesus's table moments. And if the Irish Catholic lady would have been there that day, she would have looked at the broken body she would have looked at that cup of wine and said, Jesus, what else could he have done for you? But Jesus, knowing his time is at hand, knowing what awaits him, gathered in an upper room with his disciple, he says, with great desire have I longed to share this meal with you. The creator of the universe is wrapped in skin and bone, and he is about to lay it all on the line. And he looks at those in this room. He says, I have longed to have this meal moment, this table moment with you. And then this is what he says. Ray says, I won't eat this bread again. And I won't drink this cup again until I do it with you in my Father's house. So we not only eat in remembrance today, we eat with expectation. Because there's a God who sets tables. Jesus took his, the bread and I wish we could do it the way they did it because they would have had one loaf and they would have ripped pieces and just handed it around and I've been crying and snotting and praising, so I don't think y'all would want me to tear the bread today. But he does something crazy that the Catholic Church calls this Eucharist. And you know what that means? The bread of thanks. Can you imagine Jesus tearing the bread and thanking God? that his body was going to be broken because now there would be a table that he could set for you. Can we just thank God for his body? Jesus, we thank you. You are the bread of life that came into the world. You said the children of Israel ate the manna in the wilderness. They're dead, but he that eats of this bread shall never die. God, there's healing in your broken body. There's forgiveness in your broken body. There's reconciliation. There's life. There's every good. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your broken body. 
Lord, as we take it by faith, we remember, not just that night, but we, we eat in expectation that we will again eat with you in the kingdom of our Father. May healing come. Forgiveness come. Rest come. Grace come. Let's eat the bread together. took that cup you guys seated at a table y'all gotta hear this you gotta see this seated at a table is not just a symbolic meal he's saying this is the blood of the new covenant everything began at a table and when it's all concluded, we will meet again at a table. Wow. Seated with John with his head against his chest. Don't you want to be like John? He don't even call himself John. He just calls himself the one Jesus loves. Wow. How we thank you for the new covenant. Thank you. We no longer offer the blood of bulls and goats and calves and pigeons and turtle doves. And we don't have a whole rule book that keeps us out and tells us how jacked up we are. We only have an open seat at the table with our name on it says, You belong here. You were made for this. I've been waiting on you. So, Lord, we thank you. Through the shedding of your blood, there is new life. Thank you. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We echo the voice of John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. We thank you for your blood that was offered on the mercy seat for us. Drink together. Would you stand with me? If you're watching online or you're here today and you feel like a stranger to the table, like you don't belong, like if that preacher knew who it was he was offering this to, man, he would, you're the very one. You're the very one Jesus is inviting to the table. You're the very one his body was broken for. You're the very one his blood was shed for you. Jesus, lad, what else could he have done for you? So today, right here, in this moment, this is not all you and God need to talk about, but if your heart's been far from him, if you haven't been at the table for a while, and there's a seat there. 
waiting for you. Today, I just want you to come back home. Come back to the table. That begins with an honest conversation, but I believe that conversation just begins with this. Jesus, I give you my life. You gave your life for me so I can trust you. I give my life to you. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I pray over these beautiful people. They are the sheep of your pasture. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack. He'll lead you beside those still waters. He'll lead you into green pastures. He will restore your soul. He will lead you the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't need to fear evil. God says, I am with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I'll anoint your head with oil so that your cup runs over. Goodness and mercy will hunt you down all the days of your life. and You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Shalom, my friends. For more information, to give, or if you need prayer for anything, visit us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom. Shalom.